we look around us, it doesn't appear that um, evil is abounding. We might say that it's possible that God is allowing things because he is preparing for the future of what he has in mind. So we need to keep praying for those who, especially those who are on the mission field. In my last few messages, or two messages, I talked about, um, as I was studying for it, you know what I talked about. As I was studying for it, I, this one word kept popping up, and, and I ended the last message with that uh, Colossians 4, 6, and it says, let our speech be always with grace. And so I got thinking about that, and I had been thinking about it, and what is grace? Anybody? hope I didn't put you on a spot. But I did ask a few people, and what is grace? And I didn't get a good answer. I didn't get an answer. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Anybody else have a thought? But that is the definition receiving something that we don't deserve. Now, Kevin alluded to his message, uh, mercy and justice, and justice is receiving what we deserve, and mercy is not receiving what we deserve, but grace is, how would you say it again? Grace is receiving, receiving something that we do not deserve. Receiving the benefits, yes, of what we don't deserve. It's somewhere in my notes and take time to look for it. I want to go to John chapter 1. There's a, if you, if you look out into the Christian spectrum, you see a lot of definition of grace. And I know for a fact, because I've seen it, there has been a book written about someone who used to do seminars, and he talked a lot about grace. And this guy that wrote a book refuting of what he believed was from the devil, but yet I didn't agree with what he his definition of grace was, so I just quit reading. So what is truth? What is grace? In John chapter 1, verse 10 to 17, okay, he was, I'm jumping in here, so I won't take the time to look back. So, he was in the world, this is Christ, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And so, grab your uh, thoughts around that, of Christ being in the world, of the, of the, or being in the place that he made, and yet nobody knew him. He came unto his own, which was the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of, of God. And if you would look at those words, it would say, he, he gave us um, 
the right to be the sons of God, the privilege to um, be part of his family, which were born not of blood, so it's not part of what you were born into, nor of the will of the flesh, it's not our desires, desire, and nor of the will of man, but it's of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, and but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we get the picture of here. Before Christ was the law, and after Christ is grace. So what is grace? Is grace, um, I'm no longer under the law, but I'm under grace, so I can, I can live my life as I desire and God overlooks it through Christ? Is he saying that um, because I am now part of uh, we are part of the New Testament. Do we throw out the laws of God and the commandments of God and so on? So those are all things I think we can get out of balance in, in a lot of ways in our definition of grace. So what is grace? If you look at the word, it means carice. And I would like to go through and try to explain what carice means. Because Chris is used in many different words. And I think if you tie those words together, I think it makes sense. So I'm going to start out with Acts chapter 2 and use, and then I'll go through there. Now, if you don't want to turn to these, you can listen because I'm going to try to speed up through here um, due to lack of time. So. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 says, Praising God and having, and this has been in the early church, um, but they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So this word, having favor, pops up with the same word as charis. Having the disciples looked at all those that were there with favor. And another word is in Acts 25, verse 9. It says, But Phetus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, the word charis, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of all things before me? So in this deal with, with, uh, Paul and Festus is with pleasure. He was doing things for their pleasure. And that word, crease, is in that. And then I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 15. 
It says, And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that ye may have a second benefit. So Paul was saying, I wanted to come to you the second time so you can have the second carice. It's a benefit. So it's a be- it benefits you. And then there's another one in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 4. I'll read verse 1, and then I'll jump down to verse 4, but verse 4 is the one I want. Moreover, brethren, we do, do you to wit of the grace of God, and bestow the, to the church of the Macedonia. And then verse 4 says, praying with us with much entreaty. So he was encouraged them because they were, they had given him a gift or the, uh, them a gift to continue to reach out to those wherever he reached out to. So he was thanking them for that gift. And he says that we would receive the gift, Carice, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So the, that word that he uses, grace, also means gift in giving. And then if you would go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, we see a, another word. And I really, um, I really enjoyed looking at that. 1 Peter 2, 20. says, for what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, and ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, that is acceptable to God, or crease to God. So, and then you can look at, there's a couple other words I didn't look up, verses, but joy and thanks was being included in the word grace. A part of grace. So how do you tie that all together? Of Christ coming and says, I am grace and truth. So I like to look at it like this. Is he looks upon us with favor. And that's what the world definition would use. I mean the world. The church. um, A lot of people say, well... God looks upon me as favor so I can live my life and it doesn't matter, you know, he still shines his light on me and he still loves me. He still, we still have joy in us. But the word is used in a way that Christ favored you. He had pleasure in favoring you. And he will give you the benefits that he wants to give you because of his favor and because of his pleasure. And he's willing to give you what you need to live your Christian life. And he has accepted you as you are. And it's true. The word grace is that he has shown us favor and he has accepted and with pleasure he has done that for us. So the word, like I said, the word justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But grace is getting what we do not deserve. 
Grace benefits us with far more than we deserve and makes it possible to live this Christian life. And if you looked up, uh, remember that last verse in John 1.17 where it says that the law was under Moses, that expounded sin because they didn't know what sin was until the law. I mean, if there is no law, there is no sin. But then Jesus comes along and now gives us and offers us grace in that. And I think that is part of the empowering of the Holy Spirit is, is this grace, giving us the, filling us with what we need to live the Christian life. It isn't, um, life isn't about us. I don't know if you knew that or not. But life is about Christ and willing to look at our faults and forgive us for that takes a tremendous God. You know, I think of, in my life, there's been times where I give him justice. But to think that we have, they deserve that, but we have a loving God that can change that around and say, um, I still favor you, I still love you. And I think he does. I think there's not anyone in this world today that God hasn't offered his salvation to. But so many have rejected him. I want to go to Acts chapter 5. And I know part of that, um, thinking of grace, you know, you guys have illustrated what grace is by forgiving each other for the faults that we've done over the years. All of us aren't perfect. And also you've offered that grace to, to us. You know, we stand here and we preach and you know, there's things in our lives where you can bring up and struggle with and so on. But to be able to listen and to, to allow the Spirit to work in you is you offering grace to us. Acts 15, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So he's saying here that are offering the salvation to the Gentiles and saying that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. And even he had offered it to the, the Jews also. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have sinned, but free, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are just through the forbearance of God. So, to be justified is to, re, 
to be rendered innocent of the penalty that we deserve for our sin that we have committed. God declares us innocent of the penalty, and we have done nothing to deserve that from him. That's the word freely, is he offered that without a cause. He, didn't, he doesn't have any reason to accept you as his son of his sons and daughters. I know we may say, well, I'm, he, I've done all this. I need, he needs me, but he doesn't. But he did. He called you because he loves you. And yet he did all this in offering his gift and going to the cross for us, dying and resurrecting, and he did all this while we were yet sinners. I want to go to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. It says, More of the law entered that the offense might abound. So that's what I was sharing earlier. But where sin abounded, so it seems like sin upon sin and, and so on, Jesus says, my grace is also. Grace did much more abound. My, uh, my grace that I offer you is more than what's around you. So if you think of the, of the world as the sins abounding, well, just think that his grace is so much more abounding. And I want to share a little bit about that here in a little bit. It is through what Christ has done for us that it is through what Christ has done for us that allows us to be righteous and have eternal life. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So to think of that, he gives you more grace than he gives me. He gives others more grace. And you say, well, that's not right. But yet, he knows what you're going through. Some go through more than what others go through, so they get more grace. But he gives us, grace has given us the ability to go through what is laid ahead of us. It's a gift. It's given to each one of us. And we're given the amount to to go through. Now I want to go back to Romans chapter 6. And that's a familiar chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So in other words, the more sin that I do, the more grace that God's given us, that's not what it's saying. He says, God forbid, or you might say it emphatic, no. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Knowing not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, 
knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him, knowing that Christ hath raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died once uh, unto sin once, and that in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us sin, uh, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that we should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So do you, do you get the, the gist of this chapter? We are no longer under sin. So if we are no longer under sin, then we don't sin. Um, this, this word reign um, gets the idea of, of what's in charge of your life, what is controlling your life. And basically, if you say, well, what's sin? You know, anything that violates the scripture is sin. Anything that violates God is sin. Um, serving self is sin. Fulfilling the lust of your flesh is sin. Fulfilling the lust of your eyes is sin. And the pride of life is sin. But God gives us the grace and is going to draw us and give us the power to overcome that sin. I want to go to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> I think it, uh, he brings out here so well of what I've been trying to say about grace. You know, if grace is simply, I am free, you know, it would change maybe some of our, well, why, why do I need to study his word? You know, God is going to lead me. But in Titus 2, verse 11 to 14, it says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. So we understand that. That grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. So the grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. The grace of God is going to teach us to flee this life that has been controlling our lives for years. I would like to open up and let you tell me about Samson. What do you know about Samson? Just anybody. There's a lot in Samson's life. Okay. 
case is strong. But what were some of the things he did? That's it, recorded in the Bible. Okay. Nobody's mentioning two basic things in his life. He often gave him the lust. Yes. <clears throat> there's a lady of Timnath, and then there's that he actually did um, go through the marriage feast. Um, he, Samson was a Nazarite. He was separated from God. And you look at his life being separated from God, you don't see a good life. We remember the time where he um, picked the gate up because he was living in a city with a harlot and he carried it up to the hill by Hebron. But there was two things that shows the grace of God. Well, I won't turn to it. In Hebrews chapter 11, he is mentioned in the heroes of faith. Now, how in the world do you take a man that wicked... How could he be mentioned there? Okay. As, as he was grinding that around and around, he was he was grinding, he was thinking. And I think all of us would a repentant heart. But another thing that Samson, it's mentioned that not a whole lot of people talk about is he was a judge for Israel for 20 years now you can say well was he a good judge well we don't have a lot of history on that but you would suppose that he was he was leading and that was his responsibility is leading them out of the uh, Philistines reign over them as they were taken captive at the time of Eli when Eli, remember, was a priest that wasn't a very good one, and Samuel was in, kind of in training there. And anyways, Eli's sons died in battle, and that was the battle where the Philistines took over Israel. But anyways, that's the side point. So he was a judge for 20 years, and so you would think maybe for 20 years he did what was right, but yet there were a couple instances in his Bible, in the Bible that talks about his moral purity, and it's not good. So how do we see the grace of God in all that? Can I be free to live my life of sin? 
and knowing at the end I'm going to be in the in glory land. Grace is not a license to sin. But grace is God working in your life. Even through these Samson life, God was working in him. And because of that, he received the grace of God. I want to go to Second Peter chapter 3. And this is kind of a, an encouragement to, to you. And I don't know where God has you in your life and where he's trying to, you know, all of us, it seems like he, it's just we have rough edges that he has to keep working on. It's just a lifetime experience of, of growing in grace. And if you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about using the grace of God in vain. So taking God working in your life to a point and you... And I think if you don't allow him to continue working, it's kind of taking his grace in vain. But in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know that these things before, that ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So there's a warning to us, you know, beware of the, of what's going around around and beware of of yeah, just of what's going on. But he says, but grow in grace and then a knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and ever. Amen. So he's saying be but grow in grace, but it doesn't stop there. But grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's where grace comes in, is him working with us and drawing us to him and empowering us to live our Christian life and to learn and grow in the knowledge of him. And he's willing to do that. So when people use the word grace loosely, you can challenge yourself in your life. Well, grace is leading me to Christ. It's not leading me to self. And I think so often that's the case. Um, I would like to ask uh, William, would you lead us in prayer as we stand?